Welcome everyone to another week of the most awesome show on the planet, or one of the most awesome shows on the planet anyway. <laughs> I love the fact that you basically like, oh, it's too much to say that we're the most awesome, but we're just one of the most awesome. That's, yeah. you know what, <laughs> no one can say that TV channeling isn't down to earth. Thank you. If nothing else, we are down to earth. <laughs> oh yeah, and the name of the show is TV channeling, by the way. Ex- yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was waiting for, Kevin. Not your soliloquy of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there will be a lot of sequili- uh, <laughs> soliloquies. I can't even say it. There'll be a lot of solilo- soliloquies. Yeah, my tongue is not cooperating with me today. <laughs> well, how All are right. you? <laughs> how are you, friend? Uh, other than my tongue, I'm doing great, Tachi. How are you? Mm, you might need to fix that tongue issue. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Will there, be t- will there be more talking during the show today? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Beyond this, there will be talking, so you may need to fix that problem. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. Okay, work on it. Well, uh, you're Kevin, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Kevin. And who are you, by the way? My name is Tachi, you know. I do that thing. All right. On TV so channel. we've established who the co-host of this show are. <laughs> right. You know, the thing, I think that we always assume that people automatically know who we are. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. So, you know, it's nice to introduce yeah, that's, ourselves. That, yeah, that we mistakenly assume that everywhere we go, just like, I'm always stunned whenever I, like, go someplace, like I show up at Trader Joe's. It's like, wait a minute, aren't, why aren't you people asking me for my autograph? So, yeah, everybody doesn't know us wherever <laughs> we go. <laughs> I I walk into Trader Joe's like Titus from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Like, you don't know who I am? Pinot Noir. Okay? (laughs) Singing Pinot Noir. (laughs) Give give me your finest two-buck chuck. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wow, you 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 uh, settled down really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh God, I was trying to get it under control. All right, if ever so- there was a settling down, that was it. All right, well, let's go into what, let's just get this show started. We've been acting crazy for way too long. All right, so um, we're going to get to a lot of news later in the show. But first up, we're going to be reviewing uh, a new show that's on Amazon Prime Video, you guys. That show is called Vanity Fair. And uh, Vanity Fair is an adaptation based on the 1848 novel of the same name. So let me tell you guys a little bit about it. Okay, after losing her teaching job, orphan Becky Sharp convinces kindly school friend Amelia to take her in and promptly uh, promptly sets about uh, ensnaring Amelia's wealthy but oafish brother. So, Tachi, what did you think of Amazon Prime's Vanity Fair? A, you thought I forgot about the clock. I did not. Damn it! oh my god that clock is the bane of my existence (laughs) well it's on we got 20 minutes to talk all about vanity fair i you mean amazon primes uh, here we go amazon primes bram stroker's dracula yes amazon (laughs) primes vanity fair okay we have 20 minutes to talk about that and um we're going to make this 20 minutes count all right here's the thing 
I am so happy for modern technology and modern media because I for damn sure am not going to read the 1848 novel. (laughs) (laughs) I know this for a fact. I'm not even going to kid myself. So it, it does my heart good that people see fit to produce these in modern mediated fashion so that I can watch and enjoy. And then maybe I will be compelled to go, but who am I kidding? I'm not going to read this. Well, but, you could, you know what? You could listen to it read to you on Audible. Yeah. Also Amazon's Audibles. So there's that's another option. And I love how you plug them, yet they're not a sponsor. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen, Tachi. We can make it happen. So, <laughs> you're, that, no, you're absolutely right. You can listen to it as an audio book on something like Audible or some other platform. So I, I could do that. If I'm compelled enough, you know, I, I may do that. So I, first of all, I love a well-done period piece. It is extremely difficult in modern times and expensive because that means you have to shut everything down and you have to take stock of every single little thing that could be 2018 or 2019 and make sure it is, does not rear its ugly head in 17 whatever that was. Or is that 18 something? No, that was 17 something. No, 1848. It's 1848. Right, but I'm like, is it supposed to be in 1848 or is the novel set farther back? Um, no, I believe it takes place in the, okay. the time it was written. So it was a mo- it was a modern tale at the time of it, oh, <laughs> the time it was written. Modernity. So yes, it was a modern tale. It was a 19th century tale. I I love a well as I was saying. I love a well done period piece. It is very easy to completely make rubbish of a period piece, but I think they did a, a really nice job with the costumes and i just have to say i i love olivia cook plays becky sharp um and she's the daughter of a french opera girl and an artist father i love her character because there's something about her character that speaks to now if that makes sense oh go ahead no, I was just saying if that makes sense. And hopefully you'll say, oh, yes, it does make I've, sense. Oh, I was going to say it. I think it absolutely does make sense. I was going to say because one of the, the – I love how this particular production, they get you in and they give you the lay of the land literally in the first scene. Um, the very first thing that's said to Becky is uh, by her boss uh, at the finishing school where she teaches music and French to young debutantes is you forget your station, Miss Sharp. Uh, Becky, if you think because you are clever, society will overlook your lower birth, uh, then I fear the real world will come as a dreadful shock to you. And then Becky, with the good hair, shoots back with, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only person under your roof who has the first idea what the real world looks like. And then to give you to drive that point home, they cut to uh, some of the socialites in training coming down the stairs talking to each other. And one of them says to her friend, I wanted, uh, I wanted a, uh, a purebred Arabian, but Papa, uh, can be so, uh, uh, unreasonable. And her friend comes back at her with, um, uh, uh, my, uh, my other pony is a Palomino. And I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> this is, these girls that go to this school, uh, would not be shopping at 
the 18th century equivalent to Target. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or for that matter, 18 forever 1821. They would not be going there either. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be their spot. So <laughs> exactly. Nor so, would H and M. Exactly. So the, the class divide is very. They get. They lay it out for us very sharply, very very quickly. And you met, you mentioned how it feels about how it. Uh, there's a a connection to modern times. Absolutely, because right now in 2019, the gap between rich and poor is bigger than it's ever been, uh, shockingly. And honestly, to me, when you see Becky, Miss Sharp, I feel like it's this, it's literally, if I was explaining it to a kid, uh, she's basically an Instagram model trying to get an invite to a Drake album release party. And wow. that's exactly what if you were wow. if you were making speaking it into if you're if I was speaking to a millennial that's how I would explain. It. <laughs> Vanity then Vanity. millennials would be like, oh, okay, I, I get, get it, it. I get it, I get it. She's it trying to get so Drake to hit her up in her DMs. Okay, <laughs> I get it. I can and she's identify. been trying to slide into Drake's DMs for a while. Okay, it's see, not it, it's all making sense. Yeah, uh huh. I get it. I get it. I get it. All we all you need all we're missing is the vocal fry. If we had that, we'd be set. Oh, God. I, I can't. <laughs> I can, but I can't. Okay, so there's this, there's, this other, there's this other thing. Everything you said is right on the money and right on point. The gap, the rift between the so-called 1% and the rest of us, the 99%, is, is ever-widening. And I don't know how they thought they can equal out things. Yes, I did. Yes, I do. By offering um, loans to college that you can never pay back. Anyway. (laughs) 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 Thus keeping you in the same station in life forever. Um, There's something that just happened. And it is too uncanny that we chose to watch Amazon Prime's Dracula. No, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Vanity Fair. I know, I know. I just had to. Amazon Prime's Vanity Fair. It is so uncanny that we chose to watch this because there was an incident that happened, uh, a, was it uh, a couple of days ago, I believe. And journalist Tom Brokaw made a snafu. They were, they were on, I don't remember if they were on uh, a, like a public affairs television show, but there was a panel of them. And- oh, the, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. This, I actually saw this. This was, uh, because I was thinking, what are you talking about? This was on um, Meet the Press. I think is what you're about to say. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he said that people may, you know, said some other things, but then it boiled down to what some people may be thinking, not necessarily what he was thinking, but what some people may be thinking about the whole uh, border thing that people don't uh, want brown grandbabies or that they may be thinking, I don't know if I want brown grandbabies, right? So that was what he said. Twitter dragged him, obviously, as well they should. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for a good Twitter drag, especially when it's well deserved. Uh, you're a journalist. Shut up. That you, it didn't occur to you that that shouldn't be said. That's beside the point. In the, or that is actually the main point. In here, remember the um, Olivia uh, Becky Sharp, who is played by Olivia Cook, her friend Amelia, um, that was at the finishing school with her. Uh, played by Claudia Jesse, 
her parents, you know, they, she stayed with them for a week. The parents took them in and apparently, you know, the son lives in India. So, of course, what are Indians? Indians are brown, right? <laughs> so Indians are brown people, people of color. And so he, the father was, um, you, I guess they took notice that they were, that he was, showed interest in Becky and said something to the effect of, you know, it's better than being with some Maharaja woman. And then, uh, because, uh, something to the effect of, Oh, I have the I line. Want... I have, I wrote the line. No, I knew, I, when line, I heard that, write the, line, the, 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 the line was, grandbabies. yeah, better, better than a dozen mahogany grand, ba- uh, grandchildren. And that I was, was just it. like, whoa. Exactly. Does it better than a dozen mahogany grandchildren? I, I wanted to go back. I said, but I have to go on and keep watching. So I, I'm glad you got the exact line. Now, that to me really signifies how little things have changed in terms of thinking between 18 whatever and now. There's been very little change. The only thing that has changed is that there's legislation in place to keep you from acting on that type of thing. People oh. still do, but... Well, more than that, I mean, there was a couple of let them eat cake moments this past week in the news because of uh, we were dealing with the government. We were in the throes of the government shutdown until late Friday um, afternoon. And I think it's still not completely open yet uh, as we record this on Monday. Uh, But uh, one of uh, uh, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law's was uh was basically saying how like well this is like you know a moment of difficulty for these people that haven't been paid for a month but they have to realize it's for the greater good and uh, i'm sure that they are supporting this and it's like no they're not and then <laughs> and then one of uh, trump's officials whose name i can't remember and i feel bad that i can't uh because he I got tw- he got twitter dragged but he basically said like and he is absolutely he's a billionaire i can't remember this guy's name but he actually said on with a camera in front of him and everything he was bewildered by the fact that like why are these uh government employees using food pantries as this one uh reporter asked him, like but these people are using food pantries they're really hurting and he goes well i don't understand why they don't just don't just don't get a low interest loan and then if that was another let them eat cake moment then trump said well he tried to defend what his official was saying by saying like you know what uh people uh, people don't understand what's happening you just go to the grocery store and you just tell them that you're a government employee and i'm sure they will you know uh, uh give you the credit to get your groceries like you can just walk into trader joe's uh again not a sponsor and be like you know what i don't have any money this week you guys but i should be able to pay you back in a couple of weeks oh i can just take my food and leave thank you no what world are these people living in so well- it's true it truly is about the div- the divide between rich and poor. It's like, so this man truly does think that these people that live from paycheck to paycheck can just go and get this loan. And, and what was even crazy is, let's even say that he's right, that these people can go get a low interest loan, which is crazy and, uh, and not true. But let's say they could. Why should they have to pay any interest because they're not being paid for the work that they're doing? Exactly. You're penalizing them. Because you want to have a tantrum, you're penalizing them, and then they have to pay interest, a low interest. That actually came out of your mouth. You you know, clearly why intelligence and common sense are not synonymous anyway. I, I know I think I have enough Southwest points to donate to all of the people who think like this to take flight 1462 to hell. So I will definitely <laughs> donate those to you all. 
Oh my god! But um, anyway, yeah. But but the the whole interesting you talked about the the casual racism. Uh, one of the uh their butler happens mm-hmm. to be black. I'm not sure yes. if this production is has colorblind casting or not because one of the girls at the finishing school had a total Lisa Bonet vibe going, and so I'm like, wait a minute, are we like not supposed to notice, or are we just like, is this? Co-? I wasn't sure what was happening, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was a little confused, and so then the the butler uh 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 at this uh at the house of uh uh amelia's uh home uh was uh you know uh was black and he instantly clocked um uh becky and realized who she was and the interesting thing about it was everybody understood who and what becky was except for emily emily just sees the best in everyone and everything and (laughs) but but every everybody else clocked the idea that that uh becky is a social climber and she's looking to get her claws into our son who has i'm not sure if we were supposed to question their uh uh emily's brother uh, sexuality Amelia. I'm sorry, Amelia, Amelia's brother's sexuality, because I was like, wait, is he supposed to be? I'm not sure if, or if he's just supposed to be shy or awkward or shy and awkward and also possibly gay or, anyway, I was confused about that as well. Well, you know what? I, I think that often shy and awkward sometimes, especially in those times, may have been used as a an explanation a wink and a nod exactly for, yeah. exactly <laughs> like oh oh that's the choir director <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you know <laughs> well, well, the, well the term used to be like oh he's he's a uh what is it called um something bachelor it was called a uh oh. it wasn't permanent but it was something the equivalent uh conf- confirmed or something like that bachelor and other so it's like yeah he's not getting married so mm. yeah move okay. along ladies code words so yeah, yeah, I, I think um, it's confirmed bachelor. Confirmed bachelor. So 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 anyway, I wasn't sure what the deal was with the uh, with the son, but he did seem to take a liking to Miss Sharp, Miss Sharp. Um, but uh, apparently, in the end, uh, he's kind of coaxed into um, keeping it moving himself by friends who think that he, uh, he and the family deserve better. But the family, the father in the family, at least, was it willing to look the other way because at least she's white. She has that going for her. And again, back. Becky had that good hair. Mm. There's just so many problems, <laughs> so many <laughs> levels with with all of that. Just the f- and then you know the whole fact of they talked about um, India. Um, they also you know they talked about I can't remember which other quote British protectorate they talked about, but they talked about another one too. So it also brings up this whole um, colonial um, England era that I so detest. So it's um the story it's so compelling but you know you get these little you know inklings. So first there was I don't know if you noticed but at the finishing school there was a girl of color. That's what that's why I was saying they had a Lisa Is that what, okay. That's the what Lisa Bonet re- girl. Okay, okay. That's okay. what I was think, uh, that's what I was like wait are we supposed to like I I wasn't sure if it was cuz sometimes there are things that for people that don't know the term colorblind casting is even though at a particular time in history you may not have had you know a lord or a lady of color that we're basically just casting it in the best with the best actor getting the part not somebody who would have actually who would have possibly looked like that who was playing Mary Queen of Scots 
wouldn't have been a Stone Cold sister or, uh, you know, or Sofia Vergara. But we're saying like this was Sofia Vergara. You did the best uh, audition. So we're casting you as Mary Queen of Scots. No, I That's find that co- hard to believe. <laughs> well, anyway, the point is I'm trying to explain <laughs> the colorblind casting. You could have used room. somebody else besides <laughs> Sofia Vergara. You could have used somebody else so that it would be more believable. But, but you know what? That'd be very highly rated. If I could see <laughs> Sofia Vergara playing Mary Queen of Scots, I would be the first in line <laughs> to see that to that adaptation of that story. Oh, sheesh. That would be a lot of vocal coaching. Oh, my, and so much cleavage. So much cleavage. <laughs> well, they did that back then anyway, so she's right in her element. She would be right. Oh, she would be right in her element. It would, it would be really good. <laughs> wow. Amazon, make it happen. You sound like you're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would, I would absolutely be here for it. That would be Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, Kevin. Oh, I do want to say something that speaks to who Becky is, is um, when she's asked by uh, Emily, uh, Amelia, Amelia, uh, what is it that she wants out of life? And she says, uh, I want to make sure that tomorrow is better than today every day. Mm. And I'm like, that says it all. Wow. Wow, and the, the the thing about that quote is that it's so nonspecific. She could be talking about herself. She could be talking about the world in general. It, it's oh no, she's talking about herself. <laughs> she's not- I'm, I know, I know, she's talking about herself. But I'm saying you could take that in the context of talking about the world in general. But oh, she's talking about herself clearly. And she, you know what? Let's face it, she's way too intelligent um, to to be. Um, not to she to for her intelligence to be wasted. She's way too crafty, way too clever. I, you you can't waste that. Being what did she say? A governess? Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah. She's gonna uh, because uh, when she gets fired from the finishing school for talking back, um, she's she uh sent to go be a governess for some uh some uh, gentleman whose wife he's a widower, and he's a clod and uh and kind of pervy. Uh, to say the least. Um, apparently, mm. this this is way before hashtag Me Too, so <laughs> this is not this is not a good boss. But anyway, um, yeah. So she sent there, and I loved what you mentioned about uh, uh, what you referred to her has is what the a quote that came from Miss uh, Miss Pinkerton, uh, the former boss of uh, Becky, and she says to her. Uh, only, uh, only innocent foolishness could have led me to think I could ever make something of a daughter of an artist and an opera girl. (laughs) 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 The loathing. (laughs) Oh Oh my God, that could not have been time more perfect. It was an time opera girl. girl. For those of you who don't understand, that was basically the uh, 18th century version of a thought. Wow. I'm so glad you're breaking it down. I am breaking it down. (laughs) You are breaking it down for them. Wow. Wow. Becky would have been twerking on Instagram back in the day. (laughs) If only they had it. Wow. She would have got she would got an invite to Drake's uh, album release party. Believe me. Exactly. Without even sliding in the DMs. (laughs) All right, Tachi. So it's time for me to ask the question. You know, I love to ask. Sir. Are you going to keep watching Amazon Prime Videos, Vanity Fair, or are you going to change the channel? Well, what you don't know is I've already kept watching. (laughs) 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 
Uh, I think it is a really well done, as I said, period piece. I love a period piece, uh, particularly when, that's a lot of peas, particularly when um, it is done so well that it's seamless and you don't feel like you're being taken out of 2019 and placed in 1858 or 1848, whatever the year was. I think it's 1848. You, you, and the story is compelling. Here's the thing. I've seen many period pieces that were, you know, everything was done spectacularly, but the story, meh, it's okay. You spent a lot of money on sets and lighting and all of that just for a mediocre story, but this is very compelling. I am certainly going to keep watching. So, my dear Kevin, when it comes to Amazon Prime's Dracula. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> when it comes to Amazon Prime's Vanity Fair, are you going to keep watching or will you change the channel? All right. Well, it's just what I want to uh, keep continuing what you were saying. As far as this is, this is, or I should say, this isn't your father's PBS period drama. This is definitely more accessible uh, to a wider audience. One thing I forgot to mention earlier is that there is a little bit of breaking of the fourth wall. Every once in a while when somebody's saying something that uh, Becky can't believe, she will kind of like quickly glance at us like, can you effing believe what this bitch yes. just said? Yes, she does. <laughs> yes, she does. It yes, is she does. so perfect. It is so perfect. Like, we're in on this. Like, like we're we're going through this journey with Becky. <laughs> yes, so she will. We are her confidant because she will look, give, throw us a glance every once in a while. Like, can you? What the? Did you hear that too? Kind of thing that is incredible. My only issue with it, there is one shot. the The show looks impeccable, except for one. There's one huge shot of the vast expanse of uh, 18th century London. Looks super CGI. Part it of is, it. yes. That yes. looks like I'm like, okay, you shouldn't. You yeah, you didn't need to do that shot because you didn't have enough money to really make that happen. Yeah, exactly. I said, wait a minute. Now I get it that these build some of these buildings are no longer there. What they should not have done was done an establishing shot. Yeah, that they did need shot. because they are. Oh my God! There's a party that happens that is exquisitely appointed. It is so much money is spent, and they they're in the mansions. They're giving you all of that, so they didn't need to give you this wide shot of 18th century London that they could not afford to do. But every, everything else was impeccable. It looked incredible. Um, so I gotta say, I am I am. I'm all about the vanity and I am, it is fair to me. It's better than fair. And um, it's only a seven episode commitment. And so each episode is under an hour, like 40 something minutes, almost under 50 minutes actually. So I definitely will be uh, going all the way through what happens with Becky. In fact, I can't wait to see if there's a second season because I wonder, does the first season just cover everything that's in the book or do it, will the show go beyond the story of the book and continue it? Because, I am all about Becky. Again, she is our she's an Instagram model. It's just born too soon. She is definitely, you know who she reminds me of? Anne of Green Gables. I know for millennials this doesn't mean a damn thing, but she has a kind of Anne of Green Gables vibe. Oh, you know what? Millennials, uh, Anna with an E. That is <laughs> on on Netflix. <laughs> oh, also, okay, 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 okay. Also okay. highly recommend. Yes, 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 yes. So she kind of reminds me of that. And I've, I've, I love Anne of Green Gables and I love her character. So it follows. I was going to love that. So, yeah, she's a much sexier. She's a Anne. sexier Anne of Green Gables. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I'm most definitely going to keep watching. I will not be changing the channel anytime soon. All right. Well, that takes us 
out of our review section and into the news. Oh my God, Tachi, there's so much going on in the world of entertainment right now. So what is going on right this minute? Okay, so we're going to try and get through this quickly, but you all know us. That's not going to happen. Unless this is their first time listening to the show, they know we we might go a little over. If you're looking for a quick resolution, you'll be sorely disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) So actor, sorry, not actor, but writer and producer James Pond has passed away at the age of 60. He was actually really very young. He was a writer producer for 25 years on, and you probably know these comedies, TV uh, twin New Heart, Night Court, Hope and Faith, Living and Living Single, which was one of my favorites. Uh, he passed actually uh, January 3rd at home, and it's not been determined yet because it's being investigated by the county coroner. So he's actually from California, from San Diego, and uh, he graduated from Mater Day High School. Isn't that your high school? <laughs> I've never heard of Mater Day. <laughs> okay, I'm just I just wanted to see if that was your high school. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Anyway, so, um he actually majored in journalism and then he worked in public relations and then he got his first writing assignment and then got a 25-year writing and producing for major comedies and rising to executive producer for his last season for the last season of Living Single. So, yeah, it's um, it's sad. He's w- one of the great. He's worked on some great projects. I, yeah, I he actually was, liked all of them. I was gonna say he was he was doing it in the '90s, but it's like the the credits that that you listed seem to kind of fall off <laughs> after the. Well, because no. he he retired. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know what? Cause that's one thing that's funny because lots of times when it comes to people that are celebrities that have made a, had a really good career, and then when their career starts to kind of wane, and they're you know, and they're forced to do Sharknado sixteen, and I'll be ah! thinking like, and I'll be thinking like, you know, why did you did you not invest well? But sometimes people, it's just like, even if they have money, they just refuse to stop working. I admire the people that have like, I have enough cash. I don't need to deal with this you know as you say ish anymore <laughs> like uh deuces i'm out um so uh, well if that's the industry that you love you say you really love writing you really love directing it's something that you don't necessarily want to retire from even if you have the money so you know you get involved in projects and you do things maybe you don't make the best choices when it yeah, comes but, to well, it's one thing to do like have passion projects that mm-hmm. you want to make happen but not no if you have if you have money in the bank and you own several properties and you have stock and stuff like that I refuse to be a part of Sharknado 17. So, like, yeah, <laughs> so no, like, it, it, I, I refuse to play victim number eight. So <laughs> that, <laughs> in, in Sharknado. That's for people who have no choice, regardless of the fact they say, I really wanted to do it. No, you didn't. You don't have a choice. Unless so. my name is above the title of Sharknado 18, I refuse to do to, like, be, to take part in this production. <laughs> like Ke- Kevin's Sharknado 18. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness, goodness. Well, rest well, sir. We will um, miss you. I think... Oh, my God, Tasha, I just realized. You know what? He's no longer living single. Too soon. Too Too damn soon, (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) The views expressed by Kevin No Malone are not necessarily the views of TV channel. (laughs)
know I oh, had we that were all thinking ready. it. We were all thinking it. No, you were all <laughs> thinking it. Not I said the cat. But, but you know what this brings us to because you were you you brought up a really good point about you know it seemed like it trailed off in the nineties even though he retired um to focus on writing short stories but it, it just seems like writing and. Although I can't say that. When we look at over some Hulu, Netflix, um, some cable shows, there are some fantastic comedy shows. But when we talk about the big, the age of comedy that was on network television, we talked about this last week. I am sorely disappointed in the state of comedy on network television. It's almost like a waste of time to watch. Oh, absolutely. Basically, the... Uh... When it comes to comedy, there right now there's very there's not a lot out there when it comes to network TV. I can only think of a couple of network comedies I'm currently watching. I'm watching uh, Superstore on NBC, and I'm in and out with uh, Modern Family on uh, ABC, and I'm in and out with another one of their shows. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, um, but it's about a family with a quadriplegic in the family. I can't remember what the name of it is right now. Oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, my God. What is that's that show super called? clever. Um, I've watched it a few times. I can't remember the name. Anyway, of it. it airs on Friday nights on uh, on on ABC. But anyway, whatever the case is, um, it's yeah, the shows are few and far between, whereas dramas... There are great dramas on network. There are great dramas on cable. There are great dramas on streaming. But comedies are few and far between. Right now, my passion when it comes to comedy is it has to, I have to say, it's uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes, yes. I am all about it. She's but, uh, aw- awesome, awesome. Well, I think that there's a, a real difference. And, and this is funny. Um, somebody I was talking to said this the other day. And she actually is a, you know, is a host and she does a lot of things and she's seriously funny. And she was like, yeah, but there is a difference between being a funny person and being a comedian. And I think what happens is sometimes in these writers rooms, you get people who are maybe funny people. Some of them are not funny, but maybe funny people, but they're not comedians. So they don't understand the psychology of the laugh, if that makes any sense. Oh, I, th- I think it does because they clearly, again, d- just whoever is in charge of these laugh tracks on these uh, shows that are on network TV with the mm-hmm. gales of laughter that come hitting you when people say, <laughs> when people say, when people say things that aren't even remotely funny. <laughs> so I really, yes. I really feel like, uh, I don't know what's going on on network TV, but something, something is, it's not right. It, and I, no. I feel bad that when we try to review these things i'm always hoping for the best i want to like everything as a true tv fan i want everything to be good i want to come with come to you guys and share incredible stuff and be excited about talking about it and when you see one you know crappy comedy after another um and oftentimes with really good actors that you're just like that you know are funny unto themselves but whoever what they're what's being written for them just isn't then I need these funny people to go ahead and get together and come up with some stuff and write. Because what's happening is your other people writing for you is not working in the least. No. Oh, and you know the show I was trying to remember the name of Speechless. Speechless, so, yes, yes. So that's speechless. another show that I'm in and out of. Uh, uh, but uh, right now, for me, it's about Superstore on network TV. Seems to be the most, the safest, the surest bet for laughter uh, every week. 
Absolutely, or don't watch network TV. That won't <laughs> Yeah, keep it moving. <laughs> keep it loose. All right, so I guess we should move on from yes. that story and the state of uh, television to awards for television. Last night was the Screen Actors Guild, otherwise known as the SAG Awards. Kevin, did you watch? Yes, I did watch the SAG Awards. What about you? Yeah, I, I was, and the funny thing is, I called you, and I was like, I'm dreading watching <laughs> awards. I, because award shows have gotten so boring, and again, I keep saying this, and they know this, they're not for us, they're not for the general public, they're for them, and the producers have just figured out they can make money off of these things by putting them on television through advertising. But I have to say, I am very glad that I did watch the SAG Awards, because it wasn't like a regular ho-hum dry show now i'm not saying it was like the tonys where there were performances and stuff that's my ultimate show oh but, absolutely but but know, what i like about the the sags is they keep it moving they, they kept uh, it moving. all the awards are the best awards that you really want to see they kept it moving and the thing that i like is this is not some far away uh, ethereal academy that is voting on these things these are the peers these are your peers as actors voting on things that are you know their favorite so that that is you know that's a, a good thing that there are people that are in the industry with you that decide hey th- these people really deserve it yeah, which is good in a way, but it's also gotta hurt because when when they when they when they read who the winner is and and you don't win. A perfect example is one of the people uh, who's been killing it this award season is Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, a show after show after show, and the winner for best actor is Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. But last night, and the winner for best actor is and and you can see Christian Bale was just like, well, let me straighten my tie. <laughs> <laughs> let me make sure that. My uh, my jacket isn't a ski and, and the winner is that guy uh, from Mr. Robot and of uh, uh, from Bohemian oh, Rhapsody, Rami Malek. Rami Malek, and and like he looks stunned. I look stunned. We're just like what? And then you know what? Uh, Becky looked over at me, gave it quick. Like, are you believing this, Kevin? I'm like, yes, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you wow. It was a callback, a deep call. <laughs> and I was like, what? Wow. So that was absolutely so there actually were some surprises. There were. There were there were some surprises. So I don't know. Do, should we go through some? Yeah, let's of go the, through let's go through some All of right. the winners. So for film, outstanding performance by male actor leading role, Rami Malek. I for Bohemian Malek? Rhapsody. For, yeah, uh, Ro- yeah, for I always think I'm saying his name askew. So, um, for Bohemian Rhapsody, for a female actor in a leading role, Glenn Close for The Wife, for male actor in supporting role in a film, Mahershala Ali for Green Book, for outstanding performance by female actor in support. This is too long. Supporting Emily Blunt <laughs> for for A Quiet Place, outstanding performance by a cast, and this is another thing I like. They do ensembles. Black Panther. Yeah, that's their equivalent to Best Picture is the best cast. And exactly. I, that was another surprise that it went to. I don't remember who their nominees were, but I don't think that Roma oh, was okay. even nominated. So let me tell you. Let me tell you. This is uh, the cast. It We talk about diversity. So A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansmen, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Crazy Rich Asians. 
Wow. So okay. So yeah. So that's why because yeah, Roma does is is basically predicted and it's predicted by me as well to win Best Picture. So it was right. it, so it wasn't even up for contention. That's another one that was a surprise when you mentioned uh, Emily Blunt for a quiet for place. For a quiet place, yes. Be- because uh so far Regina King has been killing it, but she wasn't even nominated for best there was uh uh for best supporting actress um in, for Beale Street, right. For Beale Street uh, mm-hmm. Beale Street could talk. She wasn't even nominated. So I don't know how that happened. That's gotta hurt because your your uh peers are all like, Yeah, you're not even gonna be nominated in this deal. No, that that was a little strange. I'm like, why wasn't it nominated? Because half the people probably didn't see it. I'm just saying. Anyway, let's go. And it was a smaller film, but it was great. All right. Do you want so, to do, do some of the TV winners from uh, last night at the? Sags? Well, let me do the last um, uh, stunt uh, for stunt ensemble. Okay, come on. We knew Black Panther was gonna. Be- <laughs> so uh, it was like ant-man all okay all of these were superhero movies with the exception of mission impossible so you kind of know who's gonna win anyway so for television a male actor is darren chris for american crime story for gianni versace and that was for a limited series the, the the category is what male actor in a television movie or limited series yes okay Yes. Quiet, you. (laughs) (laughs) And for female actor in a television movie or limited series, Patricia Arquette for Escape at Danamara. Male actor, Jason Bateman for Ozark. Female actor, and we kind of knew this, Sandra Oh for Killing Eve. Male actor in a comedy series, Tony Shalhoub for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. My yeah, Maisel, sorry, Maisel, yeah, um, outstanding perform female actor Rachel Brosnahan for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We kind of knew that ensemble. This is us for drama. For uh, yes, for drama Co- uh, ensemble in comedy. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, stunt ensemble. I don't understand this, but stunt ensemble glow. That was kind of cool. Well, yeah, and that makes sense. They are doing. They're it flipping makes those, sense. Those girls are being flipped back and forth every episode, so that makes sense. You know, somebody got hurt. Oh, so. absolutely. So <laughs> thank good. Thank goodness they're in the they're in the SAG uh, of uh, the Screen Actors Union, so they can they can get that uh, disability when they get hurt after being thrown off of the top <laughs> rope. <laughs> that is terrible. And then, of course, Alan Alda got the 55th Annual Lifetime Achievement Award. So those were the winners for SAG. And you, as you can see, it's a short, sweet list. It's not these miles long for the other uh, award shows. Yeah, and even and even the 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 stunt awards didn't even happen on screen. So they're all like, "We're right. giving you the cream of the crop." Exactly, exactly, exactly. So there were some uh, some top moments that happened. There were a lot of. L- let's talk a little bit about this, shall we? Yes. Okay. So one big moment that happened. There were a lot of moments aside outside of the 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 speeches because what happens is the way they did it is they um. Again, talk about diversity role. This was, you know, a, a lesson in diversity. So they had ensemble cats come out and show some scenes from, okay, so they did Black Panther. They did Crazy Rich Asians. They did um, 
uh, Black Klansmen. Black Klansmen. Yeah, so they, there were a few that were done. And then they also had these little vignettes that they did with some of the actors from their seats. So they did Yara Shahidi. This one was really cool. So Jeffrey Owens got a special moment during the awards opener. And he shouts out Trader Joe's. Now, if you don't know who Jeffrey Owens is, he's an actor most well-known for playing Elvin on The Cosby Show. And if you didn't know him from that, you probably knew that some idiot tried to shout him out for working at Trader Joe's. No, not shout him out. They tried to shame him. Well, not shout out in that way, but shout out in a negative way. So shame him for working at Trader Joe's, to which he got an overwhelming positive response for that. People came to his defense. He's gotten offers for things now. Um, And he said in his uh, speech somewhere, well, in the little vignette, somewhere in the middle of of the road of my life. I found myself in the dark wood of unemployment and debt. But instead of switching careers like a sane person, I took a job at the local Trader Joe's to see if I could hang in there with my career. And it's actually worked out pretty well. I'm Jeffrey Owens and I'm an actor. And the audience just erupted. There was so much love and applause being thrown at that man. It was it was an amazing moment because one of the things that if you're a fan of the SAG Awards, which I am, every year they at the beginning of the show, they cut to different actors telling their story and it, it always ends with and I'm an actor. And uh that was that was the most one of the most epic moments. I think one of the other ones before that, but again, everything she does is epic is Viola Davis. Um when she did one of those uh, just were I was practically like tearing up and I'm not even an actor and I was like ah, so inspiring <laughs> <laughs> so inspiring <laughs> yeah you, you know here's the thing and actually Jason Bateman made mention of this when he won uh the actor for no, the, the award is called an actor when he won the actor for uh Ozark, Ozark. he made mention of the fact that you know you're just one job away from like either making it or not having a job so it you know there's this fine line that all actors have and he say even said that you know i feel lucky to be here tonight because there are a lot of actors out there not everybody is here tonight so that just really makes people you know the the girl who who shamed Jeffrey Owens, her name was Karma Lawrence, and she told the Daily Mail that she felt bad that after all his years on the Cosby show that he ended up as a cashier. And I'm like, well, this shows what you don't know about the industry. You basically, you don't have a set steady job. You basically are like an independent contractor. You're only as good as your last gig. This is why people are trying to hustle to make sure that they have, you know, a show is ending, you better have something lined up or you better have some makeup line or something coming out because you have to have multiple streams of income when you are an actor. So the fact that people think, oh, you are on TV means that you were rich. No, sir. No, ma'am. That's not necessarily the case. On a completely side note, that has nothing to do with this. I want to talk about our new line of TV channeling mugs and t-shirts and hats. I am not mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) In the least. In the least. We have to have a side hustle, people. We have to have a side hustle. So if you are interested in TV channeling swag, we will gladly... Hook you oblige. up. <laughs> Gladly oblige. No problem. So no, but that's the thing. If you just rely on acting, it it could be curtains for you. 
when it comes to uh, dealing with things. So the man had rent to pay and whatever. And Trader Joe's is an awesome store. And oh. you get percentage off, please. Exactly. And he has a family. He has kids. So he has, you got, you have bills to pay. You have to keep a roof over your head. And you get to feed your kids delicious food from Trader Joe's. I, so. Look, <laughs> I will work at Trader Joe's. No exactly. problem. Exactly. No exactly. problem at so all. So that was not, yeah, he was, the, the idea that he was at the lowest, the lowest of the low because working at Trader Joe's. No, he was doing all right. But now he's doing even better. His, he is now back. He's a, a working actor again. And another great moment moment on the show to me was Sandra O's speech and yes. this this goes to a broader kind of thing that just uh that you don't know who in life you're touching or when you might be saying just the right thing that someone needs to hear at the right time so this goes beyond the world of acting but she talked about moments in her career when she was feeling low and people said things that kept her going she mentioned how a free water one of my favorite actresses had she goes she goes she won't she goes you won't remember this but in 1997 you told me that we walked the same path and like keep going and then mm-hmm. she goes and jamie fox in like 19 uh in like in, in 1999 or something like that basically like hugged her and whispered in her ear like you know you're doing it girl just little things she goes that kept her when things were shaky that they're people that little angels and just so uh, uh, I don't want to get too like you know fuzzy but honestly in just day-to-day life little kindnesses we give to each other you don't know how somebody could be standing on the precipice of a dark dark time or whatever and just a kind word or something like that or a fist bump or a hug or something like that can be just what somebody needs you have no idea so it was neat to hear her share these people that kept her going and weren't wouldn't wouldn't even be aware that how important the little thing they said to her was absolutely and that's the important of the screen actors guild awards and that's the important of importance of sag because sometimes all you have is each other people can decide they like you today and tomorrow meh they they could care less about your existence so all you have in the space is each other so you have to support each other and i think uh, those awards are a perfect example of supporting each other Exactly. And I felt the same way with Tachi when we were at the potties, the podcaster awards. And <laughs> oh, you know excuse what? Me. Yes, yes, yes. Let me play along. Yes. <laughs> when yes. some of the giants in the podcasting industry were just saying, like, we just love your show so much, it keeps us going. It, as we wait for Trader Joe's to sponsor us, it keeps us going. <laughs> ah! No, absolutely. It it really does. It really does. Thank you. I'd like to dedicate this potty to <laughs> to, to all of our friends at NPR. Thank yes, you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So moving it right along. Um that kind of leads us, I guess, if we're gonna talk about the SAGs, so this we're still deep in award season, and award season ends with what? The Oscars. It is it is the climax, so to speak, of award season. Uh-huh. So you said climax in a breathy voice and then you hinted at award season later tell me i'm not trying to do something diabolical with that one i i i'm for some reason i'm being misunderstood i'm just saying that that is the height of award season Hmm. anyway the Oscar nominees. Should we talk about <laughs> shall we talk about some of yes, these Oscar we sh- nominees? we should we shall Okay, so uh, obviously what's going to happen is you see a lot of crossover from these other award shows 
to the Oscars. And often what happens is what you see nominated and winning at these other award shows is kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen at the Oscars. Not all the time, but I would say probably 95% of the time that is the case. So uh the nominee should we go through nominees yeah let's go over the nominees really quick and we can also give our predictions as we go through there okay so best picture black panther black klansman the favorite green book and bohemian rhapsody do you want to say roma was roma one of the nominees? i'm sorry i i'm missing three roma a star is born and vice so there are uh what, what is this eight nine no eight Okay, so anyway, yeah. So, uh, what is your prediction? Who you who do you think is going to win, and who do you want to win? Let's do both. Okay, I okay. I am predicting Roma. There could be a surprise, and Bohemian Rhapsody gets it. I'm predicting Roma. Yeah, I would agree with you. I pre- I think Roma has it locked up, unless there's a huge upset. Exactly. Uh, who do but, I want? Yeah, who would you <laughs> like to see win? I'm who I'm so the suspense. <laughs> you are not suspenseful at all because you know exactly what I'm going to say. Vice, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Black Panther. I, I there's something there's it it's a complete it's like Aunt Jemima complete ca- uh pancake mix. It has everything in there. It's got the action. <laughs> I was like, what the? I was trying, like, where the hell is she going with this? <laughs> Remember back in the day when they used to say Aunt Jemima complete? Meaning that everything was to, in there. As opposed to those incomplete pancake exactly, mixes. Exactly. Yes. Okay, so, mixes. yeah. All right. Yeah, so for you, it's it's Wakanda forever. Uh, yes, yes. What you're trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. Though, um... I haven't watched Roma yet. It's on, isn't it on Netflix? It's available on Netflix, but yeah, it, but it, it, it. it it is a foreign film. So it is, if, if you guys like reading a movie, then Roma is for you. I love that. I love foreign film. I love foreign films. I love foreign films too. Oh my God. I love British foreign films. I love Australian foreign films. I love films that were filmed in Canada as well. What are all these have in common? They all They're- speak bloody English. That's <laughs> That is, that's barely uh, also, foreign. Well, you know what? I also like Irish foreign films. So I have a, the palette is very diverse for me when it comes to foreign fare. You are the worst. So <laughs> <laughs> what? what is your prediction? Okay, you, you said Roma. Yeah, Roma's Roma. got it locked Who do you up. want to win? That is, um, you know, the funny thing is I know people are crazy for A Star is Born. I, I couldn't even bring myself to see it. I just mm. I don't have any interest. I feel like that story's been kind of done and done to death. But um, so for me, I guess out of the out of the options there are because honestly, there's not a lot that's nominated that I'm like. Mm. So it would have to be, I guess, Wakanda forever because <laughs> well, I can't s- really think of anything else. Did Did you see Black Klansman? Oh, you know what? I have not seen Black Klansman, so it's well, no, really let me ask good. you this: why did, Why did you choose Wakanda Forever over uh, that? Should, I guess that should be called the sequel. The sequel Black Panther should be called Wakanda Forever. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. and if they don't do it, I don't know what they don't call it. Black Panther Two. It should exactly. be Wakanda Forever. But anyway, but uh, so uh, what? What? Why did you pick uh, Black Panther over uh, Black Klansman? Aunt Jemima complete. 
It has okay, everything okay, there we in it. Uh, Black Klansman was was a really good movie as well. It was good to see Spike Lee back in the saddle uh, doing that. Yeah, he's been doing stuff, but this is the first in a while that we've seen from Spike Lee. And so I was and glad his first to see Oscar this. nomination for this best is director, his, which is which is in crazy as many years as he's been doing this that this is his first. But it is it's really really well done. And what is it? Washington? I know he's Denzel Washington's son, and I can't remember his mother's name because he makes a big point out of saying, and my mother, because everybody always says Denzel, Denzel, Denzel. His mother's also an actor. So he did an amazing job. It's a, it's a really great story. You never, I never heard about this before. And actually, uh, the, the person that this was based on was at the SAG Awards last night. So that was kind of cool. But it and it was great. But I just think that Black Panther is a stronger contender because it fills it checks off all the boxes. Oh yeah. Well any and you know what anything that makes Angela Bassett a queen is got me on board. Exactly, exactly. All right. So I'm gonna go through really quickly. Best picture we did directing, we've got Cold War, Roma, Yorgos Lanthimos, Spike Lee oh sorry. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. Um, okay, the way they list it. Okay, so Cold War, Roma, The Favorite, Black Klansman, and Vice. So, Okay, well, you know what? For me, I got to say, um, obviously the director of Roma is going to win, but I, as far as uh, in just Alfonso Croissant. Yeah. Cuaron, far- excuse me. Ooh, anyway. And <laughs> I had to fan myself after that pronunciation. Wow, that was nice. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the movie that actually that I'm most excited about seeing that has all, any Oscar buzz that's in contention, really, to me, there's two. If Beale Street could talk, I haven't seen it yet. Yes. But the favorite looks like it's going to be hysterical. Yeah, I need to see the favorite. I need to see the favorite. So Definitely. I would be rooting for the director of the favorite. Just that trailer alone had me in stitches. So I was like, I'm all about it. So shall we talk about actor and actress? Yes. Leading role. Christian Bale for Vice. Bradley Cooper for Star is Born. Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate. Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. And Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Ugh, okay. Actress in a leading role. Yalitza Aparicio for Roma. Glenn Close for The Wife. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me. Actor and Supporting, Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. Actress in a Supporting Role, this will be it. Amy Adams for Vice, Marina de Tavira for Roma, Emma Stone, The Favorite, Rachel Weisz, The Favorite, Regina King, if Beale Street could talk. Okay, so uh, who's going to win? I believe Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. I believe Mahershala Ali for Green Book for Bust. So those are the best supporting actors. I mm-hmm. want Regina King to win. Because I'm all about Regina King all day, every day. And um, for best Ever supporting actor. Ever since act- Brenda on 227. Yeah, and so, and so best supporting actor. I don't have a dog in that fight personally. So there's no one I'm like personally rooting for, honestly. And um, when it comes to uh, best actor and uh, best actress, I'm rooting for uh, Glenn Close. It's shocking that Glenn Close has not won an Oscar yet absolutely shocking and a disgrace so i'm rooting for her just because of that 
Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't think that these awards, as nice as they are to have and to glance at in your awards room in your sprawling California estate, I don't think that they are the mark of a great performance, nor are they the mark of a great film. There are so many out there that have never won. And so, you know, I think it's it, it pays to keep that in perspective. Oh, absolutely. But I just feel for her body of work. It's not yeah. fair to me that Glenn Close has become the Susan Lucci yes, of the Academy Award. <laughs> so anyway, that's a deep reference for P- TV fans. You're like, what? But anyway, well, yes. It was so she's... deep it made you go silent for a minute. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so I would absolutely like to see Glenn Close win. Because to me, she should have won back in the Dizzy for uh, 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 Fatal Attraction. Because that still is one of the most compelling, scary performances of all time. Okay. Now there's one more thing that I do. One more category I want to talk about. Animated feature film. So the nominees are The Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And you know who's going to win that. Oh, I think it's it's got to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That Absolutely. movie has that movie continues. It has been in the top 10 for just ages and people have been blown away by it. And the way that the movie worked diversity into the story because a lot of people were upset of the just the, even the idea when it was announced that there was going to be a uh, a brown version of Spider-Man that was not Peter Parker. People were like losing it. And to have this movie basically tell the story of many Spider-Men going deep into the Spider-Verse, it is just it's absolutely amazing the success it's had and what it means to so many uh children of uh different colors growing up about seeing uh spider-men and women that look like them well my thing is like this just shows how stupid those people are if you did a little research you would see that this is not off the mark this is what happened in the actual comic there are several different spider people well, yeah, they're fi- finally it's up on screen, and um, the p- the reviews have been just off the charts for this movie. Absolutely. So, just wanted to put that out there. All righty. So, you can look at the full list of the nominees on Rotten Tomatoes. And speaking of rotten, there were not <laughs> <laughs> there were uh, some films that were deemed as horrible. Um, they were dis. You know what they were dishonorably mentioned. Dishonorably mentioned. There is a an award ceremony called the Razzies or awards called the Razzies, and those are nominations for worst picture. Shall we go? All right. Some? So let's go. Let's go in. All right. Let let let's go in. Uh, worst picture. Gotti, the Happy Time Murders. Home. Oh, but but mention it. Okay. The, yeah. Gotti uh, stars John Travolta. Okay. I look. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, if it's not listed here, I don't. Know. I will. I will mention this who stars okay. in each thing. Okay, the Happy Time Murders. That stars Melissa McCarthy. Dishonorably mentioned. Holmes and Watson. That actually stars uh Will. Oh, that oh, that's Will Ferrell and Will um, Ferrell and the other one. Yes, and the rest. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, and uh robin hood oh robin hood is uh uh oh my god what is that guy's name oh but it stars of uh, um oh my god ray charles um 
Who's Ray actor Charles. Play, who played Ray Charles? Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx is in it as well as... Just a second. I think I do have that written down. Just a second. See, waiting for you. Well, I thought that I sent it to you with a list of who was in it. Okay, here we go. You I did found, not. Ter- uh, yes, I did. Um, you you check your D- you I slid into your DMs. But anyway, well. um, <laughs> T- Taryn Eggert and uh, Jamie Foxx. And back to uh, Holmes and Watson's, it, uh, Watson, it was Will uh, Ferrell and John C. Riley. I'm sorry for making you and the rest, Mr. C. Riley. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, because we're talking about Worst Picture, they don't have the actors next to Worst Picture. So no, no, I'm saying I sent you a list of the with the actual actors' names next to. So you time. actually want me to sit there and look yeah. at the list next to and this, sir? Yeah, you have <laughs> you have misjudged me. That's what that that's what it means to be dishonorably mentioned. You got to mention them, and then lastly, I'll mention it. It was uh uh Winchester starring Helen Mirren. So up for her, I believe it's probably her first Razzie, right? So. But so, so the actors in those are not as important as the as the well, it's important, but that's for the picture. The worst actress and worst actor are the ones that are really the important ones because they were deemed worst actor. And okay, worst so what do you have that list as well? That yes, I do. Actually, correct. The worst actress is Jennifer Garner for Peppermint. Amber Heard for London Fields, Melissa McCarthy for Happy Time Murders, and Life of the Party. Ooh, you got two. She got two noms. Two. Helen Mirren for Winchester and Amanda Seyfried for The Clapper. I Some of these movies I don't even know. And I haven't even heard actor, of The Clapper. Johnny Depp for Sherlock Gnomes. What? Is that even a movie? Yeah, he did the voice. Uh, it was a sequel to uh, Gnomeo and Juliet. God of heavens. Will Ferrell, <laughs> <laughs> Holmes and Watson. And I'm, embar- I'm embarrassed that I even know that. <laughs> I- I'm embarrassed for you. John Travolta for Gotti. Uh, the person that currently lives in the White House as himself for Death of a Nation and Fahrenheit 11. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, that, we know what that deserves a slow clap. And then Bruce Willis for Death Wish. Now, you mentioned Jamie Foxx. He did get Worst Supporting Actor for Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, and deservedly so. <laughs> yeah, deservedly so. Ludacris, even hit the music game, too. So Jamie Foxx and then Ludacris uh, got Worst Supporting Actor for Show Dogs. You know what? That probably blame it on alcohol. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Can I tell you, we're supporting actress. Kellyanne yes. Conway as herself for Fahrenheit 11.9. Oh, 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 I had to bring it out again. Another. <laughs> yes, Kellyanne, you deserve it. And, and, and there's more. The oh, person who currently live in the, lives in the White House, his wife as Melania. herself, Melania as herself for Fahrenheit 11.9. I, I would nominate her that, that coat too. Yeah, uh, the coat with that, that doesn't care or whatever. That coat that doesn't care and those god-awful, um, those god-awful uh, Handmaid's Tale Christmas trees. Uh, but also, you know what? To me, the heels that you wear wore to, when you're going to visit people whose uh, everything, their homes have been destroyed in a horrible uh, disaster and you come in some stilettos. <laughs> As your husband throws paper laugh. towel at the as your as your husband throws uh, rolls of paper towels at the huddled masses, uh, I mean, if it was a movie, you wouldn't believe it. It'd be like this is this could not happen, but it's happening. Hashtag side eye. 
<laughs> so my eye could not be more to the side when uh, it comes to. <laughs> they may get stuck there, and then you'll just see the whites of your eyes. <laughs> Let moving on. So now we've got some uh, news. Moving on from worst actors to worst director. Director Brian Singer is accused of sexually assaulting underage boys, according to a new report. So he was the director for Bohemian Rhapsody, and he was it was just nominated for Best Picture, and he's denying all the allegations, saying that he had sex with underage boys. So some of the things are he's now being accused of uh, uh, sexual assault of minors, including a 13 year old boy on the set of his 1998 film Apartment Pupil or sorry, Apt Pupil. Apt Pupil. No, I was like apartment. Apartment Pupil. pupil. <laughs> APT <laughs> is the abbreviation for apartment. I know. Uh, so, Apt Pupil. And this is uh, according to a new investigation by The Atlantic. So his lawyer, Andrew B. Brettler, did not immediately respond to a request from, this is according to BuzzFeed, for comment, but The Atlantic said that um, Singer categorically, categorically denies ever having sex with or preference for underage men. Okay. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you have that there, uh, but um, there's a statement that uh, um, even after this bombshell uh, story, because there have been rumors about this for years, there was actually a documentary that got squashed uh, that was talking about this. There's been other charges, not just rumors, but charges against Brian Singer, uh, uh, you know, in the past for this exact same issue. And, um, the shocking thing is this broke uh, last week in the middle of the week. And right after that, um, uh, it apparently uh, he had just been uh, tapped to direct the reboot or reimagining of the 80s. I can't call it a classic. I guess it's a film that was just made in the 80s called Red Sonia. Yeah, not Red Sonia. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so the one of the producers uh, of this made a statement. And the statement uh, uh, was from the producer of Red Sonia, rebooting his name is Avi Lerner. Uh, and it was made to The Hollywood Reporter. And it reads, I continue to be uh, in development for Red Sonia uh, and Brian Singer continues to be attached. Uh, the over 800 million uh, Bohemian Rhapsody city has grossed makes it uh the highest grossing drama in film history uh is testament to his remarkable vision and acumen uh i know the difference between agenda driven fake news and reality and i am very comfortable with this decision uh in america people are innocent until proven otherwise so what the hell uh, is the agenda ex- that thank you i was about to say that exactly what is the what exactly is the agenda the agenda is stop having sex with children i guess allegedly <laughs> don't sue us so um <laughs> i can't think of what the agenda could be other than that and what what are these adult men because this story is coming out because adult men are now saying when they were children um they um uh, uh had sex with brian singer what is the motivation for these adult men? Just to me, this is this is echoing exactly what happened with literally the legions of women that had to come forward about Bill Cosby. Just legions of them uh, before people started taking this seriously. So I don't know how many men 
are going to have to come forward to to say you know what happened to them for it to be taken seriously uh i i it re- it's disturbing to me that it's been so ca- cavalierly cavalierly uh cast cast off as like we're going to keep it moving and um he's going to direct this movie and even though he was fired off of uh uh bohemian rhapsody he had made most of it before he was fired slash left uh and uh someone else finished the movie but so he's still getting accolades for that and so this is one of those cases to me where money talks repeated child abuse allegations walk apparently Well, he says this, it's sad that the Atlantic would stoop to this low standard of journalistic integrity. Again, I am forced to reiterate that this story rehashes claims from bogus lawsuits filed by a disreputable cast of individuals willing to lie for money or attention. And it's no surprise that with Bohemian Rhapsody being an award-winning hit, this homophobic smear piece has been conveniently timed to take advantage of its success. You know what that reminds me of? Another person tried to cloak themselves in the like homophobia uh, uh, thing. Like, oh, how dare you? This is a, a homophobic attack. Is Kevin Spacey. And how well did that work out for him? Look, my advice to you is whatever was done, you need to come out and admit it. If anything was done. And make peace with these people because you see how that's worked out for, as you said, Kevin Spacey and the racks of other people who deny, I didn't do anything. So everybody's lying, right? Okay. Well, I guess basically you can, I guess you can keep lying as long as you possibly can. Because like, look at how it's worked out for some, like R. Kelly is still, you know, he's, until recently, it, look how many years it's taken to even have him have any blips in his career based on all of the allegations. Well, we know why that is, because in the eyes of the public, black women don't matter, and particularly unfamous black women don't matter. So that's what took so long with that. Well, it also can be said is like apparently boys don't matter um, either. And these are a uh, majority of them seem to be white uh, when it comes to the allegations against Brian Singer. It also makes me wonder, honestly, um, like this this uh, producer that's so happy to work with him and look the other way. Like, what is he up to as well? Allegedly. Alle- don't sue. I'm, if it sounds like I'm implying that he might be doing something with underage boys, I am not. I'm implying that others might be wondering that. I'm not, but others might be. You, you watch your associations, people. Just saying. Watch your associ- <laughs> exactly. And watch who you stand up for. Don't pull yeah, an and, Erica Badu and, <laughs> and, and at your concert say, we love you, R. Kelly. Don't yeah, and that. if you basically if you go to a, a party held by a famous director and it's being catered by an ice cream truck and, and Chuck E. Cheese, you need to leave. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of ice cream trucks and Chuck E. Cheese, let's talk about Michael Jackson. Oh, that was a nice segue. <laughs> Play that again. <laughs> so speaking, as you said, of, you know what? When it comes to great segues, Tachi, you can't beat that one. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't. So, you might even say it was a thriller. Okay, go ahead. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're going to move on because this could go on forever. So if you did not know, Sundance Film Festival is actually, I think it's getting ready to end this week because uh, it's always, it's kind of concurrent with uh, Nat P and that's how I always remember. So there were screenings of a new documentary 
which the Jackson on Michael Jackson, which the Jackson family is calling a quote public lynching. So the name of the film is called Leaving Neverland. Um, it it happened uh, at the Sundance Film Festival, but the it happened, but they're not finished with it. Michael Jackson's family isn't finished with it. So um, the family said in a statement over the film that alleges that the singer repeatedly sexually abused Wade Robson and James Safechuck when they were ages seven and 10. So they say, Michael always turned the other cheek and we have always turned the other cheek when people have gone after members of our family. That is the Jackson way. But we just can't stand by while this public lynching goes on and the vulture tweeters and others who never met Michael go after him. Michael is not here to defend himself. Otherwise, these allegations would not have been made. Okay, well, first of all, we know that's not true because those allegations were made while he Years was alive. Ago. There, was, there was a trial and everything. There was a settlement where he paid over $20 million to one of his accusers. And so the idea that he would, there was, we wouldn't dare, you wouldn't dare uh, accuse him if he were alive today to defend himself. Yes, we, we, we have and we did. So I can't even, I, I can't even <laughs> that what an insane statement another thing i have a problem with honestly and people may come for me with about this but i am tired of people using the term comparing comments or stories or anything as a to a lynching a public lynching public lynchings where people were being murdered publicly black men and women were being hung from trees while crowds of you know laughed and jeered uh i mean they were disgusting things i mean one of the things that i never knew how dark about how how dark these things were as if murdering being murdered isn't enough they would literally cut the fingers off and toes off and give them to the children that were in the audience as souvenirs that's how disgusting and disturbing these events were that happened here in america uh you know in the uh 20th century just absolutely disturbing absolutely disturbing and comparing accusing this man of child molestation is not a public lynching by any by any stretch of the imagination no and with there being gads and gads of evidence first of all that it did actually happen and i got to give it to the people who are uh, run the estate they're trying to basically wipe that from the public consciousness and clean up his image now that he's gone and 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 sanitize him and make him fit for children in lunchboxes again and <laughs> for some people Wait, it's do a, they still have lunchboxes yes and lunch they boxes? still have lunchboxes uh, <laughs> and so i i personally still have a problem with it um to me anybody who believes that this man paid over 20 million dollars to a child for nothing as a nuisance just to make it go away and nothing happened i'm sorry you need to have your head examined it's just that simple absolutely absolutely well in case you're interested kevin says he can't even but anybody else who's interested (laughs) Leaving Neverland is supposed to make a small screen debut in the spring on HBO and UK's Channel 4. So 
Coming to a screen near you, you're going to be able to experience the magic of leaving Neverland as if you never left. <laughs> oh, and I, I can't, I can't even was not about the movie. It was about the, the the statement made by his family, that crazy statement. Like, you, no one would dare to accuse him if he were alive. It's just like, what planet are you from? Yeah, no, I know you were talking about that, but I said, you know what? It could be applicable to seeing the movie, too. So I'm just going <laughs> to throw that in there. So, yeah, so that's that. And... We're going to move on because I can't even stay on this You know, when it comes to the Jackson family and that statement, I can't rock with them, Tachi. I just can't. We're going to stop because I can't can't rock with you on this one. You know, I guess it's just human nature. You know what? Anyway, speaking of small screens... Let's talk about some... A study study that has happened. There's a study out... Uh, according to uh, Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, that Netflix has. But I need you to compose yourself, sir. Get it together. <laughs> Netflix has better movies than Amazon, Hulu, and HBO combined. So they are often accused of valuing quantity over quality when it comes to selecting their content. Netflix, that is. But according to a new study, it's streaming rival Amazon Prime that's really serving up mass quantities of cinematic junk food. <laughs> I can attest to that. So um, a tech site called The Streaming Observer made a list of all the movies on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and HBO Now and cross-referenced the films with their Rotten Tomato scores. So here are the findings. Finding, excuse me. Amazon Prime has a whopping 17,461 movies in its library, which is four times as many as Netflix. Netflix only has th- about just over under 4,000, 3,800. Uh, and far more than Hulu, which has 2,336. And HBO only has 815. So here's the thing. Netflix has the most number of movies that were certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes. That means 75% or more reviews of a film are positive. And Netflix had 596 certified fresh titles such as Black Panther, Pulp Fiction, and Dark Knight. Amazon only has 232 acclaimed movies, which is just 1.3% of its library. Hulu has 223, and HBO Now only has 38. So, when they're talking about, oh, they just have junk, well, look who's junk food now. Well, first of all, HBO is not even in the game. I mean, with 38. They're trying with their little HBO Now, you know. I mean, really? I ha- I have more uh, uh, highly rated movies, like, literally on my bookshelf than, than they seem to have over at HBO. Right, I mean, exactly, exactly. 38 is an absolute disgrace. And they have the nerve to have their hand out every month going, give me $20. No, not, I can't. I don't even. I can't. I, I, <laughs> but that's I'm speechless. But that like the show. But that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is really interesting because that may cause. See, Kevin, I know I'm not stupid when I'm not paying for things. That may cause you to take stock of: Am I really getting what I need out of the streaming services I'm paying for? Granted, you may be subscribing to HBO now for a particular reason because there's a particular show you like but you know 
Money is tight and times are tough. So this, this a study like this may take you to cause better stock of where you're spending your streaming dollars. Tachi, you know what many uh, Trump administration officials say? You can get a low interest loan to pay for all your streaming needs. So and don't to even them, I that. say I donate all of my Southwest points so you can take flight 1462 <laughs> to hell. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, that's oh, wait, 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 wait. But, but I just wanted I do want to say, yeah, the that when it comes to HBO, especially people need to take the when it comes to a lot of these streaming channels, when you have a particular show that you love. I love Westworld. I love Game of Thrones. But when it comes when these shows aren't on, you need to drop these channels like a hot rock and have them just enough to get to see your show like Game of Thrones. When it comes back in April, it's going to be six glorious weeks. Maybe seven, I'm not sure which. But six or seven weeks, you have HBO, you enjoy it, you you enjoy the dragons and gratuitous nudity, gratuitous nudity, and after it's over and and everybody's dead, they're just like, buy HBO, so you wouldn't want to be you. Let me know in 2021 when uh, you come back with Westworld season three, I'll be back for a few weeks and I'll say, I'll say, wave goodbye to you again in the rear view. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, um, Kevin. Are you hopeful about HBO keeping your dollars? Because, you know, Game of Thrones is about to go bye-bye. I'm sure Westworld is not far behind. Uh, so are are you hopeful about the ability of HBO to keep your streaming dollars? Literally, HBO only has a couple of things I watch. They have Real Time with Bill Maher. They have uh, Last... Uh last week tonight with uh uh john oliver and then they have uh game of thrones and they have westworld those are the things that i watch and so they have they have long breaks uh when it comes to uh their regular shows but even their weekly shows uh that are you know newsy like uh bill maher and uh john oliver they will be gone for like months they left like they ended in november and came back literally last week so literally you can be you can you can get rid of them for a couple of months and not miss them absolutely so will <laughs> or, they or forever anyway. yeah once but definitely once uh game of thrones is over with I, I can take a huge break because they are they've announced just now stupidly oh by the way we're working on a game of thrones prequel well that prequel should have already been in the can and ready to air the first episode of the a game of thrones prequel should have been airing the same night as the finale of the original series but no that the the prequel won't be coming until like 2021 or something so yeah no reason to watch there is not even a projection date for uh when uh uh when uh season three of westworld is going to happen all that uh they have going on this summer that i actually do care about is season two of big little lies once that's over with i will be having a, a long vacation from hbo hmm Speaking Did of I vacation, say long, long enough? Long. <laughs> Speaking of long vacation, actually, this has nothing to do with long, long vacation. This has to do with Netflix. So, Netflix is on these transitions. I like these transitions. Netflix, Sandra Bullock, and it producer Vertigo team on uh, uh, Miller World, Sci Fi Fantasy Reborn, and Chris McKay is going to direct it. So, the sci-fi But who is it starring? Sandra Bullock. Oh, okay, we're still talking. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sandra Bullock. <laughs> so, um, 
the uh this is an exclusive the lego batman movie filmmaker chris mckay is directing uh the miller world comic book adaptation reborn for netflix and sandra bullock and it producer uh vertigo entertainment they're all doing this together so here's the thing it's a sci-fi comic series by mark miller um does he say miller or millar Let's say Millar. I, let's say let's say Millar. Let's sounds say Millar. fancy. Yeah. It just sounds fancy. So by Mark Millar and Greg Capullo, uh, and it tells the story of an eighty-year-old woman, Bonnie Black, who dies in a Manhattan hospital, only to find herself reborn in the prime of life in the afterlife in the world of Adistria, a magical land of monsters and dragons where good and evil are waging an eternal war. There, she finds old friends and loved ones waiting, except the husband who died before her. Armed with a sword and partnered with her late father, she sets off through the battle-torn landscape on a quest to find out where he is. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yes. So, uh, Sandra Bullock is going to produce, as will Roy Lee and uh, Miri Yoon for Vertical Entertainment. And, um, yeah, I th- and I'm not surprised because with the success and the acclaim, I don't know if it's acclaim, but a success anyway of Bird Box. I'm giving it some acclaim. Okay. I'm giving it tons of acclaim. Okay, okay, of acclaim and Bird Box, notwithstanding the Bird Box challenges. Um, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. Sandra Bullock plus sci-fi thriller. Those are two great tastes that go great together. Oh, my God. Netflix, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. I am all about it. Reese's peanut butter cup. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What's next? Okay, so now we're on the, since we're talking about streaming, let's go on to another streaming platform, Hulu. Hulu is raising the cost of live TV, of their live TV package, and they lowered the price of their basic streaming plan. So um, depending on your subscription package, you're about to feel very annoyed or relieved or who cares. So they, <laughs> <laughs> they just announced last week that they're raising the monthly price of the basic live TV package without any add-ons from $39.99 to $44.99. And this change is going to go into effect on February 26th. But here's some good news. The same day, the monthly cost of Hulu's standard subscription package with commercials will drop from $7.99 to $5.99. So the price of the ad-free version of that package is going to remain, though, at $11.99 a month. So um, you get a, what is that increase? That's like a $5 increase for live TV. So if you have the Hulu live TV package, you get a $5 increase. And you get only a $2 reduction. So they're making out well anyway. Well, what bugs me is the they had a promotion, a Black Friday promotion, where you could get Hulu for a dollar a month if you paid for like $12 for the whole year uh, for their regular, I guess, basic uh, package, not the live TV package, just the regular Hulu package. So that was a great deal. And being a person who had been a Hulu customer, I was not eligible for that. And then I was told by uh, a, a millennial co-host of mine on another podcast last weekly, look for it everywhere, uh, that Kevin, just get another email account. And I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> so, uh, 
Well, now <sighs> these people can't win <laughs> for losing. Well, I I just you know what I'm not a kind of person that just gravitates towards life of crime, so I didn't even think to, to masquerade as another with another email address and get that deal. But it was a great deal. So to me, Hulu for what you get is not worth the money. No, I don't feel so. I'm good with what I have. I mean, unless they start offering something spectacular. I mean, even with their streaming package, I have Sling and I love what I have. I'm good with that. So their basic starts at is now going to start at 40 something. Um, yeah, their basic live is going to be $44.99. Please. I play $25 a month with Sling, so I am good right Yeah, that's basic. That's a basic cable, even actually more than some basic cable or, or satellite rates. So that's not, they're not giving you any kind of deal. Yeah, that's more. That's more. That's not a deal. So it's like, if I'm going to cut the cord, why would I cut the cord unless, I don't think that Hulu is, no, it's not. I don't think you get, um, do you get Hulu with this the um streaming? Do you, you get live TV plus Hulu? That would make that would make more that sense. That would but make it, more sense. But I'm, even at that price, it's still a little. A little well, much. no, it says without any add-ons, so I'm guessing. Oh that well, they then also that's even that, that's so. even worse. That's just you know what that get an antenna, people. Get an antenna before you exactly spend, before you spend forty dollars forty five dollars a month to give that to Hulu. That's that's not worth it. That's not worth it. So uh, let me talk about really quickly Netflix. You know they revealed that. They're doing price increases for, um, and I don't know if we talked about this. But we did talk about the we price did. increases. Okay, so here's- And a, I'm um, still bitter about it. Still bitter. So let, let's just rehash for those who didn't um, hear us talk about the price increases, that their popular HD standard plan is now going to run $13 a month, which is up from 11 Their 4K premium plan is increasing from $14 a month to $16 a month. And the basic plan is inching up from $8 to $9 a month. All more ways to get your money, ladies and gentlemen. Yikes. Yes, yikes is right. And then, but speaking of which, if you choose that you want to stick with Hulu, there is something that is being produced for Hulu by Neon and um, and Hulu together. They have landed a zombie comedy called Little Monsters. And guess who's involved? Is it my girl, Lupita? It is Lupita Nyong'o. It's a um, it's going to be directed by Abe Forsyth, and it stars Lupita Nyong'o, Alexander England, and Josh Gad. So this um, this deal went for mid seven figures for U.S. rights. Yeah, it involves zombie children. <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's a dark comedy. It's um they're they're slating this as a zombie land meets kindergarten cop. <laughs> I love it when they do that. Is this meets that? Yeah, that's an interesting combination uh, for real. Mm-hmm. So let me just talk about. I don't know. I'm I don't know about this one. Love Lupita, but I don't know. <laughs> um, in Little Monsters, after a rough breakup. Directionless Dave crashes at his sister's place and spends his days expanding his young nephew's questionable vocabulary. When an opportunity arises to chaperone an upcoming school excursion alongside the charming and enigmatic teacher, Miss Caroline, who's played by Nyong'o, Dave jumps at the chance to impress her. What he wasn't anticipating was Teddy McGiggle an obnoxious children's television personality who shapes the excursion activities. What he was expecting, even less, 
was a zombie invasion, which unfolds after an experiment at a nearby military base goes awry. Armed only with resourceful the resourcefulness of kindergartners, Dave, Miss Caroline, and Teddy must work together to keep the monsters at bay and carve a way out with their guts intact. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna be—it's gonna be perfect for our for our Halloween special, twenty nineteen. Oh gosh, I won't be there that day. <laughs> it may be good, but you know how I am with certain genres of films. I am not a fan of zombie films at all. They annoy me because there are too many of them. So, it's a pint-sized apocalypse. I don't want to hear about apocalypse or pint size or any of that. But it could be good. Congratulations, uh, Lupita saw something in it. So hey, we'll see. All right, so on from shows that I don't want to see to something that, uh, and here's another deal. So there were a lot of deals that were made uh, that have been made, especially since Sundance, okay? So Adam Driver, um, the report, has landed at Amazon in a $14 million deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it, it really, what's interesting about all of these deals is the fact that we're not talking about any huge deals when it comes to network television. Mm-hmm. All these deals are these streaming platforms mm-hmm. are making deals. Not even, not even big deals being made by cable uh, networks. It's amazing. OTT is where it's at, which stands for over the top for people who aren't familiar. But these streaming platforms are. So what it. you're saying is, who's down with OTT? Yeah, you yeah, know me. Yeah, you know me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're down with OTT. Apparently, Sundance is down with OTT. So um, they acquired the worldwide rights for a fact-based political thriller, The Report, for around 14 million. Um, and that's going to be very interesting. It's it's following one man's pursuit of justice and adherence to oversight and accountability. Um, chronicle and it chronicles not only the CIA's secret torture program, but also the remarkable struggle to release the report that tested the nation's separation of powers and rule of law. It sounds like the Pelican Brief meets uh, Born Identity. All right. Anyway. So what else is going on? So, all right. So let's go on now to a story that came out a a couple of days ago. Terry Crews has blasted D.L. Hughley for mocking his alleged sexual assault. So um, he did this Sunday during an exchange on Twitter about, why y'all, and I have to use vernacular, y'all, why are you having these battles on Twitter? Why are you saying that? Why leave it, leave it? Just say what was said, Tashi, <laughs> before you give them the advice of not saying anything. I'm just saying. All right. So on Twitter, um, they during an exchange on Twitter, they were talking about specifically how men with all those muscles should react if touched inappropriately. This is this is D.L. Hughley apparently saying this. So the Brooklyn Nine Nine actor was responding to comments Hughley made about him during an interview in uh, August 2018. Cruz actually is one of the few men to share a Me Too story. And he alleged, if you remember, that he was assaulted by former William Morris uh, Endeavor agent Adam Bennett during an industry party in 2016. And Cruz sued him and William Morris. So as a, or William Morris Endeavor. So 
When asked about his thoughts on the case, D.L. Hughley told Vlad TV that he found it difficult to believe a dude with all those muscles can't tell an agent not to touch his backside. And Cruz fired back at him Sunday in a string of tweets and said, you told the world God gave me muscles so I could say no, the actor tweeted. Are you implying I wanted to be sexually assaulted? I'm listening, sir. Hughley said, you saw the video meaning the video that he was in. Cruz then shot back. Sir, you said I should have pushed him back or restrained him. I did all those things, but you act like I didn't. Were you there? Which? I'm just adding which. (laughs) (laughs) Making it spicy. I I love how at one point you're all like, you shouldn't do that. Then you're instigating like, yeah. Then he said, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, it just sounds like which needed to come after there. Hughley went on to say, Cruz should have been more forceful writing, that's different than slapping the ish out of him. That led Cruz to say, this is too much, this is what I'm talking about. So sir, if you truly feel that that is a correct way to deal with toxic behavior, should I slap the ish out of you too? Oh! 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 Oh, that's a that's called a comeback. That is a you got all right. Cruz then told Hughley he had lost a fan with his comments. I have looked up to you my my whole career as one of the funniest, most talented people I've ever seen. The actor wrote, "I remember when I saw you warming up the crowd at Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I thought this man is a genius." Cruz continued, "But now you are an example of when comedy turns to sarcasm and cynicism." I find it extremely easy to get, and, and you find it extremely easy to get jokes at someone else's expense. You mock my success, but all I ever did was support you. A lot of Twitter users, including um, MLK's Jr.'s daughter, Bernice King, applauded Cruz for speaking up. She said, I appreciate your courage. You are a compassionate, educating voice for male victims of sexual assault. Thank you for standing. Now, Bernice King is on your side. If Bernice King before ye, who be against ye? Oh, absolutely. Well, to me, the only thing—the only thing I can say bad about uh, Terry Crews is the fact that he think he at one point thought the D.L. Hughley was some kind of genius. So that's the only thing wrong with him, as far as I can tell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That—that's where you went wickedly wrong. <laughs> that's where he went horribly wrong. That's... <laughs> so, or ever thinking the D.L. Hughley was funny. So other than that, but but I'm, see. This is this is my thing, and I've always had this thing. He, on his shows, to me, has always been very misogynistic. You could tell by the jokes, and then the uh, I can't remember some. Oh, the Hughleys. That was what, and that I never really liked to watch it because her, uh, the wife, who was the wife on the Hughleys, Elise Neal, I think, and he would say misogynistic things. She was like, "Oh, you!" Like, like you would say, <laughs> "Oh, you!" <laughs> and that would always be the response. And I'm like, that is wildly inappropriate. <laughs> why is the response that's, "Oh, you"? There should be more done there. So I'm not surprised that this is how he feels based off of what I've seen before. And But my thing is the mistake is you going on Twitter and saying something. Now, wait a minute. Who shot out first? It was, okay, it was on Twitter in response to this video. 
So maybe well, think- maybe maybe Terry Crews for the first time saw like maybe uh uh DL made the comments a while ago, but they just the video I just finally got to Terry Crews right, um and so he was commenting on uh on what he said. And and I get it. You know, everyone deals with these things in different ways. I am not one to tell someone who has been victimized or oppressed how they should respond to their victimization or oppression. I think the only thing I would have done differently is, you know what? Don't take this to Twitter. It is so tempting to air everything on social media and put it out there, especially when you're mad and you're annoyed by the comments. It is really easy to do, but take a step back and don't. Don't even engage with someone like him. If this is the way he feels, he is not worth the energy that you use to type the responses to him. This is is all he can do. That is all very true, but I am so glad he did because he you know put I him am too <laughs> in his place. That was so I am well too. put. I like when people put people in their place. I really do. Um, all I'm saying, I'm glad he did it. But all I'm saying is, like, if it if if this was therapeutic for him and he needed to do it, then by all means. So I mean, I really can't say anything because I'm not in his shoes. It is up to the individual to do. I um I can't say what I would have done were were it me. I probably would have clapped back onto but I, I probably would have taken a step back and said, you know what? Because there's a lot of back and forth. And then my thing is like, can you humble yourself a little DL non-funny Hughley to see somebody else's point of view? And the funny thing is he has a, a radio show where he talks about a lot of things like a black oppression, etc. You can't see the connections in this. Why would I listen to you about black oppression if you can't see the oppression in this case? Sit down. Yeah, no, it, it it just it doesn't even bear a response. But I'm so glad he did. He needed to put him where he did put him. So what's next? <laughs> we had fun with that one. Okay, so uh, we have just a few more. Actually, this is the, well, just the last more. story. Just one more story. A few more. This is the last story, and so we don't want to end on a on a. Well, this is a sour note for them. Maybe not for them. <laughs> so, last night, Fox's Rent Live uh, was on. Okay? It was Fox's Rent, as you like to say, the network before. <laughs> so, but it didn't do so, so well. They hit a live musical ratings low. I'm like, lower than Peter Pan? <laughs> yeah, but that was, that's what's really shocking. Exactly. So, you know, there have been these live events. So Fox has done some live events. And what is the other network that, that is? Uh, it? NBC, NBC specializes in the live events as well. Right. So Fox saw that and they started to want to do their own. So they did Rent. Now, I've seen Rent. I don't, I've never seen Rent live, but I've seen the movie um, numerous times. So... It was a not really live event, to be honest, because, you know, anyway. So it finished Sunday with a 1.4 rating in adults 18 to 49 and 3.4 million viewers in uh, early numbers, marking the lowest rated of the broadcast network's musical event shows. Do they actually, do they list them in order of uh, most to least watched? Um, No. Could that be too well, much well, like right? Too much like right. Well, so 
The most recent musical for NBC was Jesus Christ Superstar Live and Come, which was fantastic. And it won Eastern Su Easter Sunday, basically, with 9.6 million total views and a 1.7 rating in 18 to 49 live plus same day. Wow, so, that is a huge that's difference. Big. That's <laughs> a big that difference. Exactly. And that isn't even the most watched one by far. Uh, that isn't the most watched one I know. The I think the most watched one was what, the original one, which was uh, uh, NBC's uh, The Sound of Music. Yes, that was. It drew 18.6 million viewers and got a 4.6 rating in December of 2013. So that is the biggest one so far. And, you know, the, here's the thing. We could put it on a number of things. Number one, it was also not that the um, SAG Awards were like necessarily a major competition, but you do have some competition. You had another major award show on. Uh, number two, when you look at Jesus Christ Superstar, that was Easter Sunday. So that was a big uh, event. You know what I'm saying? It was coupled with a holiday. So it made sense. Um, there could be a number of, of, uh, things that are, that prevented higher. And then maybe nobody really cared. I don't exactly. Know. Cause I'll tell you right now what the reasoning is. Okay. Tell me that show has been out for years. Mm -hmm. If you said Kevin for a million dollars name, not one, just name two songs from the show Rent. And I'd be like, I'm still poor. Because all I know is that 500 something something minutes. <laughs> How do you measure a man? That's yes. the only, I have never heard any other song, Seasons of Love or whatever. I've never heard any other song from that show. I tried to watch, uh, watch it last night after watching the SAG Awards. Uh, and it was just like, open the door. Uh-uh. Uh <laughs> because it's not, it's not a classic musical where we speak to each other and then all of a sudden we just break into a song and dance. No. It's in like an it's like a operetta or a light opera where they're singing everything. Mm -mm, don't do that. Yeah, and so I I was not feeling it. It was interestingly staged. They use the space incredibly. There's all kinds of catwalks and and they're walking and they're having scenes amongst the audience and the audience is actually on the stage during part of it. They're everywhere. So it was interesting to look at as far as that goes, but I really didn't care. Now, one thing that's interesting about this so-called and I'm going to say it so-called live event was parts of it had to be uh taped. Uh they used pre-recorded uh footage because one of the actors was injured and I guess broke his foot or something so that a part of it wasn't even live so this is what I say uh, they should have done because you're calling it rent live not rent partially or somewhat live it's supposed to be all the way live that's what undies understudies are for that would have made it even more exciting if they announced beforehand and had the actor there going like i'm rooting for my cast i i, I broke my foot earlier uh this week i'm rooting for our understudy jeff smith you know this is a big break do you can do it jeff and then show that wow the stakes got raised yes people. so but to show us clips of the of the, that was shot during rehearsal because this guy broke his leg is like that's not want want that's, that's so that's so said that's what theater is you have an understudy something happens to the actor and the understudy goes on they don't understand the concept of theater they're doing it like television taped television and that was the problem yeah, and calling it live. So they actually could have had something ex something exciting did happen. It could have shaken things up. Yes. But they but they chose to not shake it up and just add some taped footage into the show. So, yeah. They, they could have so. put and they could have done the whole thing like they do in the theater. The role of Donnie will be played by such and such. I know night. exactly. They could have called me at the last minute. I would have been happy to join the cast. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, now it's true. I don't know any of the other songs. I was about to say, <laughs> who the hell would you play and what the hell would you sing? You well, don't know. Be, well, they put up cue cards, I assume. So, <laughs> hence why you were not called at the last. Minute. Well, my foot is not broken, so I would have done better than the guy who was in it. But anyway. Ah! <laughs> So, well, let me ask you, do you have a favorite of these lives or what musical would you like to see done live on either Fox or Okay, NBC? well, my f- my favorite one live, hands down, would be Grease Live was an epic event. They really used, they, they really did a, the first true hybrid because of, of between a movie and a, and a live uh, stage uh play because the first live event we had was the sound of music live they did it in some some like airplane hangar in new york that had no live audience so you didn't have the energy of that what was amazing about this when they did a grease live they shot it on an actual movie sound stage Mm -hmm. and they had uh they had uh actual uh, an audience on bleachers uh during different pivotal scenes they're out like they showed the front of the school even the way the show started it be it was breaking walls and breaking rules it began with Jesse J singing uh, Grease is the Word from the movie Grease not from the Broadway show Grease and she's singing it walking through the dressing rooms and you see the other actors wearing their Grease uh, robes their, their backstage robes getting ready put, putting their makeup on and it's getting the anticipation up and it ends with Jesse J she's walking around the set and it ends with her singing in front of the, the set for the high school uh, Rydell High and then as she finishes the song all of a sudden the kids show up there at school and they start walking around and you can see the audience sitting on bleachers in front of the school it was amazing and as far as the ending the the the, the climax of the uh, event <laughs> was it, it ends with it with we go together and as they're doing that they're doing it in a gym setting like it happens in the actual uh broadway show and all of a sudden the doors break away they get on golf carts and they drive to an actual outdoor carnival like in the movie grease yes and it was amazing amazing it was mind-blowing and so that is my favorite by far now before i answer the second question what was your do you have a favorite one of these events yes it was actually jesus christ superstar it was so well done and the audience was so into it that really added because and then the level of singing so you know with a lot of these other um shows they've got wonderful Uh, wonderful voices all of the actors had wonderful voices but there's something about the songs that were written this an andrew lloyd weber uh musical so it there's something about the songs that were written for jesus christ superstar that lends to these like these voices it is just it was spectacular it was really really good i don't know if you've ever seen the movie jesus christ superstar but it Uh, no i haven't they really did a lot with the set and i loved the way they reimagined the costumes so instead of taking kind of more biblical um you know toga type stuff that they would have wore they had on like kind of modern but you know in gray tones it was amazing so and the singing at oh my goodness it was really really good so i because i liked grease too but i think my favorite was jesus christ superstar just because it was so well done Okay, now, now, if you could actually have a live event of, uh, of a musical that hasn't been done yet, what would you like to see done? Fela. What is it? I've never even heard of that. Fela was a Broadway uh, musical that um, is about the life of Fela Kuti, which was the actually known as the um, 
the father of Afrobeat. So it was about him and his story. And it, I mean, it's really good. It was on, what, what year was that? I want, it was 2011 that it premiered on Broadway. And then they traveled for a while. I think they, um, they closed after they traveled, but it is a phenomenal show. The songs, they use the songs of Fela Kuti, the, um, choreography of Bill T. Jones, the famed uh, choreographer, Bill T. Jones. I would love to see that because the dancing is uh, phenomenal. So there's a lot of African dance. It's just wonderful. So I would love to see Fela done as a live. Wow. Well, I guess, you know what? Well, let's, let's just keep it on the, uh, on the same continent because I actually would love to see them do a live version of the Lion King mm. and, and actually do it in some beautiful, like do it at, at some like Lion Country Safari, some kind of place outside and have it be really epically done, uh, with the, and have the audience all around or whatever, or have it done on location, like in Africa or Australia or someplace, uh, with majestic mountains in the background or whatever. That would really be a spectacular because to me if you're going to do something like this it need to make it an event it needs to be some kind of visual spectacle and take us beyond just a regular theater kind of setting like Greece did and so having something like the Lion King merging that kind of fantasticness with the fantastic bigness of nature like doing it in say like if they actually did it in say the Grand Canyon or something that would be spectacular the Grand Canyon People would know it's not Africa. <laughs> okay, well, f- I said, or oh, if you're if you if you're if you're gonna not if you're gonna not do it in Africa, which my guess is they're probably not gonna spend the money to to, to send a cast to Africa and do it. Then if you're gonna do it here in the states, you want to do some some place that has some kind of visual splendor. I could imagine it being at the Grand Canyon or something. Okay. Our, oh wow! Just crap on my no page. no oh, no no fun. no no. When you said Grand Canyon, no, you lost me. But but I, <laughs> Grand Canyon, you lost me. But I absolutely, really, really would love um, to see um, to see the Lion King done. Absolutely. All right, I can't believe we come to another at the end of another episode of TV Channel. Yes, an epic episode of TV Channel. <laughs> <laughs> it's supersized. Supersized. So, you know, I think that the audience would really enjoy if I let them know how they could get in touch with us or yeah, where they how could can, find us. How can they find our show, Tachi? Where can they listen? Oh, gosh, you can listen in so many places. We are on Stitcher, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play. We're also on Tune in radio. We're on Spotify. You can also go to tvchanneling.com, which takes you to our Podbean page. And big one, we are also on wjmsradio.com. You can hear us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on wjmsradio.com. So you have no excuse. We've got several ways to listen to us. And while you're there, we would love if you could go and leave us a great review, a nice one, please. And subscribe because that helps us out and helps you out because you get the episodes as they drop. Oh my God. That's yeah, that's we love a great review. We'd really appreciate it. And subscriptions as well. All right. So why don't I tell them where they can uh, contact us on social media? Yeah. Why don't you, Kevin? 
<laughs> there we're everywhere on social media we're on the the book that's in your face we're on the gram known as insta we're on snapchat and we're on my personal favorite twitter and you can even write to us via email but we would love to hear from you in any way shape or form so if there is a story that's going on in the news that you want to get our take on if there is a show um that you'd like us to review let us know and if you want to actually do an audio question that we could actually play on the show you can visit our channel tv channeling reruns on anchor and leave us an audio message or record an audio message and send a sound file to us via email tv channeling at gmail.com now that we've sufficiently bombarded you with assignments that you may not do, we want to say <laughs> they're optional. They're optional. They're, they're, ex- optional. You know, they're extra credit. They're extra credit. Yes. And extra credit people always get you to pass the class. So with that, we're going to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for listening. It's because of you that we're even here and we appreciate you. It is not taken for granted. And we're going to let you get back to doing whatever it was you were doing before you started listening to us. So we'll sign off the way we always do. Goodbye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, we're talking about it. And Trader Joe's. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>